just commandments, like, hey, this is what you need to do, but it was a covenant, saying, if you live according to these commandments, then it will be well with you. If you live according to these commands, even when you read here in this, um, in, in, in the here where it says, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So there is a promise of blessing that when we live by these commandments, that God will also give us something. The two tablets on which the commandments were written will, were called the tablets of the covenant because it was a covenant. Um, God's commandments then are a covenant between the Lord and us, a covenant we have made when we believed in him. God made this covenant with us in an awesome spectacle on Mount Horeb where the whole mountain shook violently. So in order for God to kind of emphasize the importance and significance of these uh, commandments, okay, how was it given? It wasn't given in a simple way. We know like in the Old Testament, there are many times where God is speaking to the people, uh, whether to Moses or to other prophets or in a way, and he just, he's speaking, he's speaking his words, like this is, this is, you know, what he's saying, right? But here when he gave the commandments, he gave them in a very special way. First of all, he gave them as these physical tablets. Like he could have just orally said, here are the commandments. But no, he gave them as these physical tablets that he gave to Moses. Also, what was happening on that mountain on, on at the time when Moses was on the mountain, it was like a horrifying kind of like like terror, like like very scary kind of scene. There was fire and smoke and lightning and 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 there was earthquakes and like all these things were happening on the top of the mountain. Of course, the rest of the people, they were at the bottom of the mountain seeing that all this stuff was happening at the top. Uh, Moses was up there and all this was happening. This also emphasized like the, 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 the awesome kind of moment of what is it that's happening is God is giving his commandments, right? The commandments of God were life-giving. The commandments of God were necessary for his favor. The commandments of God was him expressing his will to us. It was such a terrifying sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. Like Moses himself, when he sees all of these things happening around him, he says, I'm exceedingly afraid and trembling. And of course, this shows us like how important these commandments are. They were spoken by God. So again, we said in Exodus 20, this is when they were first given and written with his finger on the two tablets and given to Moses. Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord and offered burnt offerings. He took of the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant, which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. So blood was a way of, of confirming the covenant, the sacrifice that was made. It is binding. It is binding on us to follow and obey this covenant. These tablets were very important. So after Moses was on the mountain for quite some time, for, for 40 days up on the mountain, the people at the bottom of the mountain didn't know what was happening. They didn't know what happened to, to Moses. And after a while, they started to think, well, Moses is gone. Moses isn't coming back. They, didn't, uh, they weren't aware of everything happening on the mountain. So what did they do? They asked Aaron, who was the brother of Moses, um, please make for us a golden calf that we might worship, right? And so Aaron got together all of the, these gold items from the people. He melted it down and he formed it into a golden calf and all the people began to worship this golden calf. Okay, Of course, this is directly contravening the commandments that, go that God is giving to Moses up top of the mountain. So when Moses began to come down the mountain, 
carrying the Ten Commandments, these two tablets, and he saw what the people were doing, what did he do? He smashed the Ten Commandments, like out of his anger of seeing what the people were doing. He like took those Ten Commandment tablets and he smashed them on the ground. Of course, that wasn't the best idea, <laughs> okay? Um, but after the tablets had been broken, again, God remade them again later on and gave them again to Moses so that they could um, keep them. Um, kind of, uh, there's a meditation. So if you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments are speaking about our relationship with God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any graven image. Um, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day. Those are the four commandments that is like relating to us and God directly. Okay? The remaining six commandments are all related to our relationship with each other. Honor your father and mother. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. Um, do not bear false witness, meaning don't lie and also do not covet, okay? Those six commandments are related to the relationship of human beings with one another. So there is a meditation that says that the way that God gave the commandments is that one tablet contained the first four, which is related to us and God, and then the second tablet was had the last six. The Bible doesn't say exactly that it was, it was broken up that way, but some people meditate and say this makes sense because one tablet is related to our relationship with God, and one is related to our relationship with one another, okay? Um, when the Lord Christ was asked by one of the lawyers, teacher, which is the greatest, uh, is the great commandment in the law? Jesus answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So what is it that the Lord's answer means? He's referring to the commandments. This is what God gave. So the question is, what is the greatest commandment? How do you, how do you show love? How do you satisfy the commandments of God? How do you live according to the will of God? He says, follow the commandment. What is the greatest commandment? Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, which is what? Which is the first tablet, right? The first tablet, the first four commandments. If we practice the first four commandments, this is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Sometimes we ask the question, it's like, what does it mean to love God? How is the, my love for God manifested, right? And sometimes we, we think that love for God is expressed in, in an emotion, like I am feeling close to God. Or I, I love God because I feel close to him because he is doing good things in my life, right? And that's a nice feeling to have. Like it's a good feeling when we have this like emotional warm feeling toward God. And certainly as we grow deeper in our spiritual life, we should feel like this way when we meditate on the love of God to us. But what is the way that we are to express this love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind? Well, it's those first four commandments. So if I want to say that I love the Lord with all my soul, okay, first I should have no other gods, meaning there is nothing else that I should worship. And yeah, in the Old Testament, it was very easy to see the manifestation of worship of other gods in the form of idols. Like people would make an idol just like this golden calf and they would bow down before it and worship it, okay? Certainly that's typically not done today. But there are other ways that we worship idols, 
okay? Meaning anything that I place between me and God, anything that I place of higher regard than God, okay? In, um, in the book of Micah, I believe it was Micah or Malachi, I get them confused. Um, God is rebuking the people for the type of sacrifices that they are offering to him. He says, what? You are offering to me the lame and the maimed and the blind, the, the sacrifices, the animals that you have that you don't want anyway, the animals that you can't eat, the can animals that you can't sell, the animals that are useless to own, the animals that are going to make you no money, those are the animals that you are saying, I'm going to offer it to the Lord as burnt offerings, okay? Because for the people, like these animals, obviously it's expensive, right? To buy these animals, to have these animals, to raise these animals. So for, for someone, they could think, the easiest thing for me to do is I'm just going to uh, offer to God the thing that is of lower value, the thing that I don't want anyway. You know, maybe kind of like whenever there's some piece of furniture in our house that we don't want, we'll be like, oh, I'll just give it to charity. Like, I, I don't really need it and I don't want it, okay? It's not that I'm necessarily giving God the best. I'm giving him what's convenient for me. And so God responded to, to this, and he said, like, do you want to, to know, like, what is the criteria for me to know if what I'm offering to God is really the best? He said, would you offer it to your governor? Like, would you offer it to your leaders? Would you offer it to your boss? Would you offer it to your work? Would that be the, the, the thing that you offer? So, you know, we can ask ourselves, like, for instance, when I go to work, I have to go to work on time. When I when I'm at work, I have to, you know, be responsible in the way that I do my work and give my best and, you know, like all the things that we know that is required of us at our work. So it's like God is saying, are you offering to me the best? Just as you are offering to the secular authorities, just as you're offering to your work, right? You shall have no other gods before me means I, I, I will have the best of you, right? Don't offer to others something better than you offer to me. In a sense, this is a kind of idol worship. Okay. Then he says, you shall make no graven image. Make no graven image means what? Like the first commandment is speaking about who we should worship. The second commandment is speaking more about how we should worship. Right? In what form do we worship God? God is spirit. So we worship him in spirit. God is saying, I don't want you to create a physical object and then bow down to that object and worship that object as though it is me. Because the problem that the Israelites had in the Old Testament is they would look at all of the other nations around them that all had these physical idols. And these physical idols, you know, they felt like these are protecting us. When we go to war, we're going to bring with us our god of war, the idol of the god of war. And when, and when the idol of the god of war is with us, we feel protected and safe. We feel like our god is with us. So the Israelites, and this is actually what they did when they made the golden calf, is they said, well, we feel alone. We feel like God is not with us. We don't know where Moses is. We need some kind of physical object in order to feel the presence of God. So we will make the golden calf, we will worship it, and it will be God to us. But God is saying, I am not a physical object. Even though, like in the church, we use physical objects to remind us of God and the presence of God, and we even venerate those objects. But we don't worship those objects as though those objects are God, right? And that's what this is saying. Don't make any graven image. Do not make any image and worship it as though it is God. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Of course, not to blaspheme the name of God, remembering the Sabbath day. We'll talk more about those in detail when we get to them. But the idea is here, according to this commandment, 
when the teacher asked, what is the great commandment of the law? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That is how we know if we are actually doing that. Am I following those first four commandments? Then he says, the second commandment is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So this is referring to the next six commandments. The, the, the latter six commandments are referring to my relationship with my neighbor. Okay, love your neighbor as yourself. So this is like a summary. You want the summary of the Ten Commandments? Love the Lord your God completely and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the whole law. This is like the, the, the quick one-sentence summary of the law and everything written in it. What, what the two tablets are, they go deeper to kind of make us realize, like, in what way should I love my neighbor? Honor your father and mother. Do not lie. Do not steal. Do not murder. Do not covet. Right? These things are specifics but the, s the summary of all of that is love your neighbor as yourself these commandments even though they were written down by god at the time of moses and given to, to him uh, as the tablets of the covenant it's not like god created these laws in that moment and that no one knew about them from before right it's not that suddenly everyone realized that murder was evil it's not suddenly everyone realized that adultery was evil right? It had been known from the beginning that what is the law of God in many ways, right? So for instance, the law of you shall not murder. Well, actually, Cain, in the, in, in, you know, the very first human beings, Cain murdered his brother Abel, okay? And he knew that that was wrong. He knew that that was sinful. And God actually warned him prior to him murdering his brother Abel that this is something that he is contemplating, that he is thinking about, and he told him, like, master yourself. Like, don't let the sin consume you. And yet we know, of course, that Cain went and he killed his brother anyway. So it was known even from the beginning that murder was evil. It's not like nobody knew this, okay? Um, committing adultery, for instance. At the time of Joseph the righteous, when, he, when, when Potiphar's wife was um, seeking to be with him, he responded to her and he said, how can I do this great uh, wickedness and sin against God? So he knew that adultery was a sin, even from before the Ten Commandments, okay? Um, also, the commandment for stealing. There was a situation that happened with Jacob when he was living in the house of Laban, who was his father-in-law, right? And he stole these house household idols that were there in his house. He also he knew that this was wrong. The sin of lust also was known to be a sin hundreds of years before the time of Moses. Job, in Job chapter 31, he said what? I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? So he's saying, I will not lust with my eyes. He also knew this from the very beginning. Keeping the Sabbath was also given by God um, in Exodus chapter 16, when he spoke about the importance of keeping the Sabbath. Okay? Even we, we see the kind of the symbolism behind the Sabbath, even in the days of creation. God worked for six days in creation, and he rested on the seventh day. So the emphasis here is all of these commandments were not new. They were given by God from before, and many of them are implanted in us as a sense of the natural moral law, right? The natural moral law. They did these kind of like um, experiments, like psychology experiments using infants, okay? So infants, they don't know anything about societal laws moral law according to like the teaching like they haven't had a chance to even to be taught yet by their parents what is right and wrong 
it's like a hundred percent like they don't know any of that so what they did did is they took like these two puppets okay and one of the puppets had like in his hand like something like a toy or something like that and then the second puppet would steal the toy from the first puppet okay and then they would repeat this many 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 times and they did this with many different children infants okay then they would offer for the child to to take either the first puppet that was like the victim or the second puppet which was the the, the thief okay they would offer both toys to the child the child would focus their attention on like one or the other of the toy kind of like wanting to have that one and what they found overwhelmingly is that the children preferred the toy that was not the thief okay the 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 one who was the thief they were like they liked that toy less okay again why did they do it this way because they wanted to 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 get children that are of the age that there was no way they could ever be taught that stealing was wrong right they, there's they couldn't understand from the parents or anyone that stealing was wrong it's something innate inside of us that this is wrong and this is what we say when we're made in the image of God. God places within us a moral code. There are certain things. It's not taught to us by society. It's not taught to us by parents. There's something innate inside each of us. C.S. Lewis speaks about this at length in his book, Mere Christianity, that, sh that demonstrates that, that our moral law is coming from God and not just from society. Okay? So, so God here is implanted in us a sense of right and wrong, and then he is codifying it on these tablets but this is not something new it's just he's formalizing it making it clear this is what I expect of you okay so another question we can ask which maybe seems like kind of a silly question is how do we know there were Ten Commandments so it says in Exodus 34 so he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. This is Moses. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Okay? So it's, they refer to it as the Ten Commandments. But what's interesting is that not everybody counts the commandments the same. That passage that I read for you in Deuteronomy chapter 5, it, he didn't say commandment 1 is this, commandment 2 is this. It just lists a bunch of commandments and different people different christian traditions and even Ju judaism they count the commandments differently okay so just to give you a sense of this the first column so each each row here is one of the ten commandments the first column is rabbinic judaism the second is hellenistic judaism which is like a later form of judaism that was influenced by the greeks also this one matches what the church accepts as the numbering and then there is the catholic and the lutheran understanding of how to count uh, and label these Ten Commandments. So the first commandment, okay, that we consider the first commandment was the one where it says, you shall have no other gods before me. For us, this is the commandment number one, okay? For the Catholic and the Lutheran, they combine the f what we consider the first commandment with the second one, okay, which is um, we shall make no graven images. They consider those two things together to be the first commandment. In Judaism, they consider the self-identification of God as a separate command, which is in, in, um, in verse 6 when he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. They consider that statement by itself, which is just God identifying himself as who he is, they consider that to be the first commandment. 
So these are three different first commandments. Huh? So, so then we, as we move on, they end up all converging to be 10, but there are some variations. So like, for instance, um, uh, they're all kind of off by one, and then they merge together. Like one thing that's different, for instance, is that in the Judaism and, and in the church, like what we believe, we consider the, the, the commandment for coveting to be all one commandment. Because it, it says what, um, this is in verse, uh, yeah, it says 18, but that's not right. Yeah, the, the numbers are off for some reason. This is actually in verse 21. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Actually, this is probably from Exodus 20. That's why it's it's verse 18. Let me read it, the one in Exodus, so you can match this. No, it's actually 17. Okay. You shall you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Okay? So we consider that that whole statement is do not covet. Okay? Whereas in, in the Catholic Church, they broke that up into two different uh, commandments. The first one being do not covet another man's wife. That is a separate commandment, which is considered their ninth commandment. And then the last commandment is do not, do not covet any of his property, everything else. So they consider like the wife to be like a special command with the do not covet someone else's wife. And then do not covet any of his property. This is, uh, this is another thing. So again, different groups, different Christian traditions, they kind of count the commandments differently. But in the end, um, they are 10. Okay, they are 10. So um, just try to get through the first commandment today. So the first commandment, now I'm reading from Exodus 20. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Okay. So this, again, this self-identification, we consider self-identification of God as I am the Lord your God. This is part of the first commandment, which is you shall have no other gods before me. So first is he is revealing who he is. I am the Lord your God. Like he is reminding the people of who he is. Why is it that you should listen to these commandments? Why is it that this is a big deal? Because I am the Lord your God who freed you from bondage. I was the one who freed you when you were slaves. And remember, this is very fresh in the minds of these people. Like this just happened. It just happened that they were in Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. They went into the, the, the wilderness, they are at the bottom of the mountain. Moses goes up 40 days. They, he comes down with the tablets, and they are reading these commandments, okay? So I am the Lord your God. Like, who, do you want to know who is it who gave you these commandments? It's the same God who freed you from Egypt. So if you care, like, like this is something very important. Like, obviously, like, the people lived in slavery for, for hundreds of years, and now you are free. Why are you free? Because I made you free, right? I'm the one who made you free. That's why you should listen to these commandments. He didn't focus on other aspects of himself. Like he didn't focus on his divine attributes. Like he didn't say, I am the Lord God who is omnipotent and all-powerful and, and omniscient and all these other attributes. I am the God who, who lives in heaven and all this. No, he just focuses on his relationship with the people. What is it that you know about me? What you know about me is that I saved you from slavery. 
right? These people are very simple people. Like these are not theologians. They didn't understand God. Like God is, is revealing himself to the people, really to the whole nation of Israel for the first time. All these people who lived in slavery in Egypt, like they didn't understand, right? They, did, they were not yet a nation. They were not yet a people. They were just slaves that were living in, in a pagan nation, okay? So he brought them out and he says, what is my identification? I am the God who freed you from the house of bondage, okay? He didn't focus on anything else about himself. He wants the people to follow him for their own good, because he because uh, not because he needs their worship like why is it you should follow me because if you follow me if you follow this covenant then you will be blessed then you will have good things and you will be protected okay because of what god has done for us we are then called to have no other gods before him because i see that god is the source of all good things in my life i put no other gods before him our worship of god should not be because of some divine commandment only, but as a response to God's love. The more we see the love of God shown to us, just as the Hebrews did at the time, the more they respond in love. Our, our, our response to God or our, our actions toward God are always a response. We see what he is, we see what he has done, and as a result of seeing that, we respond to him. We are not the ones initiating. He is the one who is initiated every time. He initiates the creation. When he created Adam and Eve, obviously Adam and Eve didn't do anything. They, were, they, were, they found themselves created, right? And so their response to the love of God in his creation is to respond to that love with obedience and with love in return, right? We are always responding. God is always initiating. We are always responding. But now as we have seen all his love, and when we were speaking earlier about the incarnation, this is the act of love that God is showing us. We, we see his love, we see his sacrifice, and we respond um, with love in kind. In the Old Testament, um, many people worshipped idols, but what was the meaning of it? Why is it that they were worshipping these idols in the Old Testament? They derived comfort and a sense of security from these idols. Like, they feared other gods and they derive the sense of security from them like many of the people that worship these gods they worship them because they were afraid that if they didn't worship them they would be cursed you know like if we don't offer sacrifices to these idols then we're afraid that this these gods are going to curse us they're going to destroy us something bad is going to happen to us right so they were they were they were like satisfying this fear that they had by doing that um but they also derive this like sense of comfort and security from these idols. And again, we can extrapolate this worship of idols to other things that are maybe more practical for us, like the worship of money, right? Like I place the, the gaining of money to be at such a high level that I sacrifice my relationship with God for it. My pursuit of pleasure, it is such a high priority for me that I sacrifice my relationship of God for it. My desire for power, my vanity, like the, 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 my appearance, the things that I want, the, the image that I want to project to other people, wanting to show myself to be a certain way to other people. Food, like my desire for food and consumption, like gluttony, just myself as a whole, everything about me. This is all a type of idol worship. When he says, have no other gods before me, this is all ways that we um, place um, these these other things um, before God. So again, our, our response to God should not just be because there is this God demanding our worship. 
It is because he has shown us great love, and so we respond in love um, and kind toward him. So this is just briefly um, an overview of the first commandment and introduction. Um, God willing, next time we'll continue by speaking about the second commandment and, and go on from there. Is there any comments or questions before we conclude? Okay, can pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for all things that you give us, and we thank you for making clear to us your expectations and your commandments. Help us, O Lord, to understand that these commandments are not intended to be a burden, but they are protection. They are a way, O Lord, that you keep us safe in the midst of a dangerous and sinful world. Help us, O Lord, to see these commandments as something joyful for us, something we desire, O Lord, to fulfill, and something, O God, that we know is for our good. Teach us, O Lord, how to control our thoughts and control our actions. Teach us, O Lord, how to subdue our will. Teach us, O Lord, how to see you as a provider and a giver of all good things. Through the prayer of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, communion the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen. Uh, two things I just want to say. Number one, I'm like so happy at the attendance today. It's like making me like uh, jump up and down. Um, the second is um, if you're going to go to the picnic, please remember to carpool if you can because there's not going to be enough um, spots in the parking lot there if everyone takes their car. Okay, thank you. <laughs>